walked through the garden. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Welcome to the On The Wire podcast. Uh, my guest today is my old friend, Paul Roberts, uh, my old colleague. We uh, worked together a hundred years ago at eWeek, uh, both covering security back then, um, and then worked together at ThreatPost a few years ago as well. And uh, Paul, for the last couple of years, has been running his own site, the Security of Le- the Security Ledger. The Security of Ledgers would be super boring. Um, <laughs> don't start that site, Paul. We write a lot about QuickBooks. <laughs> Those stories are super important. Um, security Ledger, that is, um, and also has a uh, has an event that you've done the last two years, Paul. Uh, security of Things. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about is okay. uh, the Security of Things. Um, yeah, and good. Because you you've kind of been covering the this whole Internet of Things security, you kind of jumped onto that corner early. Um, I did, I which did. Which is a smart move, I think, on yeah. your part. I mean, I don't have much to show for it. You know, <laughs> I'm driving a 2003 Honda Odyssey, so. Um, but 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 yes, and in fact, it started. You know, I mean, honestly, really, when I was, you know, when we were working together at ThreatPost. Already, I mean, by the time I came on at ThreatPost, Stuxnet had already happened, right? Right. And and arguably, that's the sort of um, that that was the shift from when folks like you and I were writing pretty much exclusively about you know Windows and and enterprise IT type uh, issues to starting to write about uh, machines and equipment and uh, critical infrastructure and SCADA systems and those types of things. So, right. so it really started, you know, back in that time period, you now 2006, 2007. Um, and, and from then on, um, uh, you know, with a shift kind of from just writing about kind of nuts and bolts infosec to looking at all the different types of endpoints that were connected. Yeah. Cause it, you know, it's, Obviously, we're not just talking about servers and laptops and, you know, even mobile phones anymore. You're talking about cars. You're talking about, God help us, refrigerators and, uh, you know, the $2,000 running watches that we use and all that kind of crap that's, you know, sending health data, you know, across, unencrypted, of course, across across the interwebs and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. There's a few things I wanted to ask you about this. And most importantly, like just the overarching question is what the hell is going on? Like, is, does anybody have any idea what they're doing in terms of like the vendors and uh, the manufacturers with this kind of stuff, especially in the consumer space? Because my my general sense is no. Um, It's hard to paint with that broad a brush and say nobody does. I mean, I could clearly say to you, I think Tesla's got a pretty good handle on what they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, And so, uh, you know, that's a company with, with, uh, you know, IT and information technology in its DNA. Um, They happen to make um, a a physical product, an automobile, but um, they've really built their platform from the ground up to... Uh, address issues like information security, data integrity, and and so on. And obviously, as you and I know, they've hired some really smart people to work for them. Right. Um, so there are some there are companies out there um, that I think understand 
the the um, delicate balance that you have to strike between features and functionality and um, risk. Um, but but that's they are certainly in the minority. And, you know, we've got we're talking right now as, you know, the Consumer Electronics Show is going on in Vegas. You know, uh, I would say if you were to do a real, uh, you know, send a send an army of, um, you know, pen testers out onto the floor of CES <laughs> or uh, or application auditors or what have you, you probably wouldn't like what you got back. Right. So no, I think most companies, uh, you know, particularly in the consumer space, which is what CES is focused on, um, are really driven by traditional business concerns, which is you know, um, the, you know the cost to produce their product, uh, the timing of it, um, and then you know, kind of marketing and, and sales, getting it in front of people's faces and into their hands uh, and onto store shelves. And security, as is often the case, is a, is a way, way down on the list of priorities for them. Yeah, I, I feel like it's the just a repeat of what we saw, you know, 15, 18 years ago with the rush to get, you know, general purpose computing uh, gear into everybody's hands, you know, as quickly as possible, get the Internet up and running. Then the mobile uh, world, you know, 10 years later, uh, where security was not, I mean, afterthought isn't even the word uh, for what it was there. And, you know, we saw how much fun that all turned out to be. And right. it, it doesn't seem like a whole bunch of lessons were learned, even though we're dealing with some of the ma- same manufacturers. You know, if you look at some of the big consumer manufacturers that make smartphones, but also make smart fridges and TVs and, you know, whatever else. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're talking to the right people uh, in terms of getting input on what they should be doing to think about the threat models and potential attacks on these devices. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and I think this really stretches across, I mean, we're talking, you know, with CES going on, you talk a lot about uh, consumer electronics, but I think these problems apply equally in um, critical infrastructure sectors, you know, energy, oh, yeah. um, you know, uh, power distribution, manufacturing, where you really have um, what I would consider probably a, a, a pretty serious skills gap um, and certainly cultural gaps that make it very hard for these companies to properly understand um, the risk that, you know, how their risk profile changes when they decide to start, um, usually for the sake of convenience and efficiency, connecting up things to um, even to their own internal networks, let alone to the public internet, and I think that um, they just don't have the ability to have a real conversation about that or an informed conversation about it, and so you know mistakes are made, as as they say. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, I was reading, for example, um, some some newsletter that that ICS cert, you know, the Department of Homeland Security. Um, yeah. Industrial Control System CERT put out talking about um, they were talking about how they had, um, you know, released some uh, recently published to their mailing list um, some threat signatures, you know, for their 
their readers who are utilities um, to to use, you know, to help them detect uh, like black energy on their networks. Right. And the response they got back was people being like, what the hell is this thing? Like, what are we supposed to do with it? You know, I mean, and it was it's sort of like Ugh. underscores like these guys just this is just like you're speaking Greek to them. Like there just is not a um, culture of security uh, within these organizations, and they really just don't have the skill set necessarily to be able to, you know, even start the process of understanding, um, you know, what, what the risks that they face or how to detect threats that might already be, you know, within their environments and so on. So, and that is critical infrastructure, it's healthcare, it's, you know, it's, it's across these sectors. So, yeah, it's, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. Yeah, the, the ICS sort of SCADA world, um, you know, a lot of times I think you're dealing with like industrial engineers converted to work, you know, to run these uh, run these systems and, and maybe they don't necessarily have the training, you know, that wasn't their background. Yeah. And now they're being asked to, you know, look for some, you know, memory wiping malware wandering around on these arcane systems. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, right. I'm just trying to keep this w- turbine running. Right. And you want me to find some Chinese root kit on here? Get out of here. Right. You right. Know, like. And 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 sort of um and and there's a culture obviously of, of the top priority being to keep to keep that infrastructure running, you know, regardless of what malware may be in the environment. Yep. Um but not a recognition of the fact that, you know, that that malware might really create an availability problem down the road. Um if it is um, you know, executed if it is used maliciously, as we saw, you know, for example, at, uh, you know, Sony Pictures, um, that that it, it might not be uh, affecting your ability to do your job right now, um, but it could down the road at some in some way that's that's very hard to anticipate um, or predict. So so you, you can't just ignore it either. Um, so, yeah. Right. And the, you're right that that whole culture, as you put it, is totally focused on keeping uh their equipment up and running like that's their entire job like those yeah. you know depending on what you're dealing with you know whether it's a wind turbine or a, you know a hydroelectric dam or whatever it is you don't take those offline like for, right. you know and if you do it's scheduled 18 months in advance for you know and you do it at two in the morning right it's not because you have to you know upgrade from windows xp um so those are the things that you know, or I think they're running into now that weren't thought of a long time ago. Um, and it, what's your what's your sense, Paul, of like the the response from vendors when dealing with uh, researchers or folks reporting problems? Because you know, I've I've done plenty of stories on this with like the research that guys like Billy Rios and others have done, where mm-hmm. like they either get at like dead air or completely hostile responses from the vendors. Like, do you, do you feel like they're kind of, I think some are coming around, but I I feel like they're still just kind of a, we don't know what to do with you people type attitude. Very much so. And I mean, you and I covered, you know, Microsoft back in the day where, um, you know, that company's attitude towards, you know, Mark Mayfred or, or whomever was bringing, bringing vulnerabilities to them and saying, this is a big problem, um, was hostility or, you know, um, kind of, you know, ignoring them or sticking their lawyers on them or what have you. 
And Microsoft obviously did a big about face, you know, whatever it was 10 years ago, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and, and really started reaching out to and embracing that community. And, and more importantly, and, and Katie Masuris would, would talk about this, you know, setting up the um, structures and the lines of communication and the web portals and everything else just to be able to, um, you know, again, as Katie says, have the front door that a researcher can walk in and say, I found something and I want to tell you about it. And yeah. this is, you know, this is before there were even, there was even money on the table, you know, bounties and so on. Um, and that made a huge difference, both in terms of the perception within the security community of Microsoft and in terms of their ability to um, learn about and address security issues before they, before they appeared or uh, it, it were exploited in the wild. Um, and most companies now, I mean, you know, so you look at the companies who are, um, y- you know, producing a lot of connected things, which would be, you know, we could look at the automakers, you could look at major appliance makers, you could look at um, companies like Siemens and Honeywell. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are doing better than others. I mean, my sense is companies like Siemens um, have, have, are starting to build the structures and the processes to be able to communicate with people like Billy Rios and address issues quickly, get patches out and so on. Um, and others are not. Um, and that would include automakers where they're just... Yeah. Um, you could find a vulnerability and what you get back is a lawyer letter That's uh, right. yeah. or not, or you don't hear anything. We just, I just wrote yesterday about, um, you know, Comcast and Xfinity, um, where, uh, rapid seven, a rapid seven researcher found, you know, a pretty serious vulnerability in their Xfinity home, you know, home security system. Um, sent them uh, a bunch of emails informing them of this, got no response, contacted, you know, Carnegie Mellon cert, Carnegie Mellon cert reached out to them via email, no response. Um, and then, you know, so they dropped the vulnerability after two months. Uh, and the company's response was, well, I mean, you know, everybody has that, you know, we're not alone. Uh, this is true of all these home security problem products. Which is that's not a response. That's not really a good response because no. you're, you're really, you know, and 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 the, what's different now is, you know, in the, back in the day with Microsoft, you know, you were the the stakes were, you know, blue screen of death, potentially, you know, infection that would knock your corporate network offline or degrade your productivity and performance for a number of days. Yeah, you know, more recently, uh, intellectual property theft or, or or that type of thing. That's more serious. You know, maybe in a worst case scenario, Sony Pictures Entertainment, you're, you're building yourself, <laughs> you're building yourself a new network from the ground up. Um, yeah. But we're really just talking about data here. But these systems, you know, the, the cyber cyber physical systems, whether it's machinery um, or the power grid or a home security system, you are talking about life and limb, um, about you know power outages that could have a whole bunch of downstream effects that 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 result in physical harm. Um, and certainly a lot of economic damage, right. you know, in a case of a home security system, uh, you got a home security system that's telling you the, the doors and windows are locked when, when they're not, when they've been sprung. Um, that's, that's a big problem. Um, and the stakes there are really high. I like to say even the, 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 the refrigerator hack, right? So that was, that was a proof point, um, uh, research paper that came out a few years back that, yeah. that a lot of people wonder whether there ever was a refrigerator that, that was spamming, <laughs> but let's just say there was, I always like to say, you know, the, the stakes for you, you know, your laptop getting infected with Conficker, 
um, are pretty low. You know, it, worst case scenario, you can always just kind of shut the laptop lid and like push it to the back of the desk. <laughs> Walk and away, be like, right. You know, I'm going to deal with this in a couple of days. I just can't deal with it right now. Yeah. Um, but if your refrigerator gets config or, or your refrigerator gets blue screened, that's a, that's an immediate problem for you because you've got food that's defrosting. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you either need to cook it or you need to f- <laughs> fix your refrigerator. Or um, it's ordering a whole bunch of new food for you from Peapod that's just going to show up on your doorstep. <laughs> you'd right. be like, what the hell just happened? Right. So like, so that, like that whole, like the stakes there, even though it's just a refrigerator are really, really high for families. You know, you might have 400 bucks worth of food in your refrigerator that's going bad immediately. And, um, and like, I don't think the industry, you know, my sense is, you know, Whirlpool or, or whomever's making the refrigerators really want to add the connectivity features, really want, you know, you to be able to, uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, you know, upload a list from your, or a recipe right onto your, the front door, of your, your yeah. refrigerator from, from wherever, uh, Epicurean or whatever. Um, but they really are not thinking about, man, what if, what if there's some, you know, just nasty exploitable vulnerability in, are in you know Android that is running this thing, or right. some third-party library that we use um, that just totally bricks this thing, um, and it is unresponsive, or they can't open the door, or whatever. Um, and uh, I don't know that those conversations are happening. Um, and even if they are happening, I think they're happening at a pretty high hypothetical level, and not at the we need to. Um, build a whole infrastructure to and engage and, and hire people just to engage with the security community so that we can find out about these things before the bad guys do. Right. Or we need to really think from the ground up about our whole support system, right? Because right now our whole support system is based around like pumps failing and hoses springing leaks and stuff yeah. like that. That's right. And it's really low frequency stuff. But for software, we could have really spiky problems that happen everywhere all at once. And like, how are we going to support that? You know, can we do over the air updates? You know, could we potentially even manage to send somebody out to service, you know, 600 refrigerators in the greater Boston area uh, in, you know, 36 hours. Um, And, you know, those are all worthwhile conversations to be had. I don't know that, that companies are having them, but they should be if they're not. Yeah, I don't get the sense that, you know, they're spinning up these, um, you know, security response teams like the software vendors had to do, you know, where where they, you know, have people that know how to respond to these incidents, know how to work with researchers, know how to deal with, you know, uh, you know, it's not going to be something like Config or, or, you know, Code Red. But like you said, something along the lines of, you know, an exploitable bug in Android or, you know, some catastrophic software failure that just breaks all of these, you know, whether it's an in-car entertainment system or your your washer or whatever it happens to be. Um, I don't, you know, you mentioned CES. There was, I was following uh, on Twitter yesterday the, the account, I'm sure you follow the Internet of Shit, the guy that just, <laughs> it's so great, just <laughs> destroys, you know, yeah. every IoT <laughs> Uh, appliance that comes out mm-hmm. and he was, you know, live tweeting this. Hey, can you say shit on your podcast? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. 
You might want to, like NPR, you might want to put a little warning up front <laughs> for people right. who are listening with their kids. Yes. You should be more scared of these connected fridges, kids, than of our language. <laughs> trust me. Um, but it, they were live tweeting this, you know, I think it was the Samsung um, keynote about a connected fridge. And it had, you know, the functionality you were talking about, Al. People can add things to a to your shopping cart right on the this giant screen on the front of the fridge and all this and you know he was just like no 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 mm. please no 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 and of course there's no mention of any security or you know privacy or how that software would get updated you know any kind of you know segmentation is this thing going to be connected to your home network what how is this going to work. And or is that front end, is that GUI in any way, you know, connected to the, you know, the, the again, the compressor. The internal, right. And the, yeah. Right. And the internal functionings. I mean, I, I would hope no, you know, but, but hope it's isn't not a plan, clear. Paul. Right. Yeah. Hope isn't a plan. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and we don't know. We don't know. No, we don't. It, because they're not, you know, everybody's being kind of, you know, opaque about this. Yeah. Uh, because they're just kind of pushing these things out in the marketplace and saying, you know, Here's this great new TV that has all these apps on it. Um, never mind the fact that it's also listening to your voice conversations in the room yeah. and recording them sure. and that kind of thing, you know. And right. also, we're never going to send you updates for the software in there, so you're probably going to need a new TV in 18 months. Right, right. So there's – I mean, right. And there are – and also, I mean, I always – I always use the example, which was from CES, I think, two years ago maybe it was last year of the you know the oven that that had the android tablet kind of you know slapped on the front of it you know? <laughs> yeah um, and you look at that and you're sort of like listen you know the lifespan of that oven is probably 20 years or 25 years you mm -hmm. know like it's an oven like it just, they just run forever yeah you know the lifetime of that android operating system is about 18 months you know before right. It, before Google stops supporting it. Yeah, that's right. right. So, you know, you want to sort of go to the oven maker and say, did you guys really think this through? I mean, that tablet looks cool on the front of your <laughs> oven. Um, and it's cool that you've got these touch controls. But are you guys planning to like fork Android and have your own oven specific version <laughs> of Android that you're maintaining for the next two decades so that you can continue to update this and patch it and everything else? And my guess is the answer would be like, uh, you know, no, we, you know, we weren't really planning on. No, it. isn't that what Google does? Isn't that what Google does? Right. We're in, we don't want to be in the operating system business. We don't have anybody who can do stuff like that. But, but <laughs> by by basically building an oven that runs Android, you're kind of in that market now. You're a software maker, and and you know, uh, the good thing is you you can fork Android. You can have your own version of Android. But but my, you know, none of these companies want to be in that business nor do they have the wherewithal. No. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a wild west for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, security, everybody pays a lot of lip service to security and privacy on IoT. Um, but there are very, there's very little in the way of, you know, best practices or leadership um, out there on it. I mean, just look at the standard space, right? I mean, how many IoT standards are there? There must be, you know, two dozen at this point, mm -hmm. um, kind of competing for dominance. And, you know, it's sort of, it's like we're back in the 90s, you know, with with the token ring and, you know, all these other oh, God. <laughs> competing technologies battling for, for dominance in, in a sort of Darwinian struggle. Um, that's happening in the IoT space, but again, the, the stakes are much, much higher. Um, you know, it's not 
it's not Kevin Mitnick, you know, kind of social engineering his way onto your mainframe anymore. It really is, you know, the, the car in your driveway or, you know, um, you know, uh, the machinery that's running your uh, manufacturing line. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, these are, these are really big problems, but they're also diffuse problems. And, and that makes it much harder to get your arm around it with, with Microsoft, you know, there, there really was one neck to choke, you know, that's there was, right. you had one guy, Bill Gates, who could, who could literally just send out an email and fix a whole bunch of stuff, you right. know, Be like fix this shit. Yep. Bill, Get it done. You know, <laughs> right. that's, that's essentially what that said. Yeah. And they did. They were like, oh, my God, we got to fix this. And they and it made a huge difference. But it's way too diffuse now. For There is no Bill Gates of the Internet of Things. You know, um, there's no company that occupies a position that Microsoft occupied, even Microsoft, you know. Not at so, all. Um, so that means that it's going to be a lot harder to make measurable progress Um I look at organizations. I, I I'm kind of like a, a, a you know a, a bleeding heart liberal. So I I tend to <laughs> kind of yeah. kind of yeah, flaming liberal as my father says. <laughs> so I do tend to look to the government as um, providing a you know leadership around some of these issues and using the power of regulations to try and shape behavior and 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 um, you know manage markets in some way. Uh, um, I do look at like the FTC um, has um, and and you know maybe the FDA as well yeah have have done some of the best work to try and inform the public and where you know in the most egregious cases say you know we we're, we're holding you to a higher standard for um, you know uh, for example with surveillance cameras and so on you know mm-hmm. you, you just can't make a surveillance camera that's riddled with vulnerabilities that's going to allow strangers to spy on your kids sleeping and stuff like that um but i think a lot more needs to be done um and uh ideally you know with some uh, maybe even at the level of of federal legislation in the u.s uh to address some of these issues in a in a forthright way but obviously that's you know yeah. In, in, in a Congress that can barely pass a highway bill, I don't oh, really God. see it forward looking like that happening. No, but it is kind of funny to see, you know, government agencies like the FCC and the FC, FDA that, you know, aren't necessarily seen as progressive um, yeah. are kind of leading on this. You're right. Now, I yeah. think part of that might be due to the fact that they've hired some really smart technologists, you know, from industry in the last few years, you know, to serve in, in the FTC too, in like, you know, these one or two year, uh, terms like Ed Felton. And I think they had like Ashkan Sultani and folks like that, that know what they're doing and know how to get things done and know what the issues are, uh, to, to help kind of push things along and, you know, kick some doors down. Um, so that kind of stuff helps, but like the, the standard space, like you were mentioning, I, I just wrote something today about this, new low power Wi-Fi protocol that, you know, Wi-Fi halo yeah. for, you know, connected devices for these low power, uh, like connected devices, like, yep. you know, fridges and, you know, watches and everything else. Um, so there are like four of those different <laughs> competing. Oh yeah. Low power WAN, right. There's, there's that yeah. there's, there's Laura Alliance. There's uh, the Sig Fox, which is a private company that does that. Oh, I haven't even so, yeah, that. Um, and right. You, and I'm sure they're all super secure. You know, like I, 
I emailed a couple researchers and they were like, oh, please let me add it. You know, yeah. like, please right. let me go near this. And, and they're going to have longer ranges. Right. And you'll be, you know, so you're sitting eight miles away, you know, hacking somebody's dryer. Right. And so the issue, right, I mean, that's a really great point. And, and, and part of the conversation around those needs to be, you know, this is a lot more diffuse than, than the old, than internet version one, right, or two. Um, you have many more endpoints. Not all of them are laptops. And that means in some cases, right, it may be appropriate that you don't really need that much security around this, you know, low power uh, wire, you know, uh, connected device, this, um, pavement sensor that's just telling you when it's wet or dry or when there's black <laughs> ice or how many cars are passing over a particular piece of road. Yeah. You know, go ahead and hack into that data stream. You know, we don't really care if you know, you know, how many cars are passing over the road as well. The problem is, is that sensor also, um, you know, informing, some roadside sign down right. the road that's going to be directing traffic. Well, if it is, then actually maybe you do care about the integrity of that data. Yeah. Um, and so these are all conversations that need to be happening or maybe even, you know, there needs to be some kind of a, you know, uh, uh, guidelines document or, or um, set of best practices, um, just like, you know, the, the highway department has, you know, guidelines and, and best practices for, for building roadways, right? Um, on, on what type of security is appropriate for different types of deployments. Um, but right now, my sense is it's, it's all kind of willy-nilly. Um, yeah. And um, while I think there are many cases where it's going to be reasonable to say, yeah, no, that that's, you know, that's just a dumb device that is receive only and or broadcast only and is going to be embedded in cement for the next 30 years. Yeah. So we don't need to that's not doesn't need to be an actively managed device for us. Um, uh, but if you, you know, if you're you want to have that conversation before you drop the thing in concrete. Uh, <laughs> Typically, not, yes. Not after, because yeah. once I'm not it's an in engineer, there, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, the, the, and there is there there can be kind of magical thinking around some of this. You know, just because it doesn't look like a laptop, uh, maybe it, it's not hackable in the same way that a laptop is. And and um, oh, or, I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think you saw that with like the Chrysler hack as well, For sure. Yeah, right. Um, you needed a different set of eyes than than Fiat Chrysler had to say, yeah, you've got two systems that are mostly separate, but they're not entirely separate. Mm -hmm. And while you don't think that it's possible to jump from one to the other, in fact, it is. And here's you know, so you you need, you know, you need somebody like Chris Valsek or Charlie Miller to come in with a very different mindset, very different set of eyes and say, um, oh yeah, here's how you do it. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, all these industries, you know, outside of the, the computing industry are, they have very different priorities. You know, like we were saying about the SCADA and ICS worlds, their priority is uptime. Their priority is, you know, keep things running. Uh, and you know, for automakers, it's, you know, build high performance vehicles with, you know, and keep costs as low as possible and those sorts of things. And so they don't have, you know, software security teams that are looking at those kind of problems. 
Right. Uh, and neither do the people designing refrigerators or, you know, streetlights or all right. these other things that are connected to, you know, uh, to these uh, wide area networks now. And right. we've seen some of the guys like I think the guys at IO Active have done some research on like the smart city problems. And, you know, I think uh, Cesar Ceruto wandered around D.C. a couple of summers ago and just like, you know, figured out he could turn on and off streetlights and things like that fairly easily, right. you know, with just his phone or whatever. So, um, yeah, there's been a lot of security through obscurity and there, there's still a, uh, I think in certain sectors, still a real belief in security through obscurity that, you know, well, who would, you know, who would know, who would think to target this, you know, weird piece of machinery that mm-hmm. is very specialized for, you know, running streetlights or, um, you know, operating a um, MRI machine or something like that. Yeah, how would they even understand how the software works? Well, exactly, or even know smart. where to look They'll for it. They'll figure it out. <laughs> like, that's right, that's yeah. right. Um, so, and and some of that is just, you know, these are people who are not coming from an information security or even an IT background, and it just is beyond their ken. And as you and I know, you know, there are, you know, Charlie Miller or... Uh, Travis Goodspeed or any of these guys are like superheroes, you know, like the, 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 the number of people or like more like NBA athletes. I think it's probably a better analogy. Yeah. You know, the number of people out there walking around with their skill set is vanishingly small um, and, you know, is just really not available to your average, you know, regional utility um, to be able to tap. <laughs> they're not so, working for Pepco now. They're and, not. No. Uh, oddly, you know, I think that is one of the things that kind of hurts um, in some ways because the you know, say a, an automaker looks at the research that these guys did and you know sees the utility in it and is like, okay, this is really super smart, high level stuff. How, how much do we need to worry about this? Because there's only a small number of people that could ever even make this make the logical leaps that these guys made. It's not a real threat, you know, and that's what they tell consumers in their press release that, you know, yes, this, this is a theoretical threat, but don't worry about it. Um, you know, so they, they get to, to play that card where, you know, you, you could do that for a little while, but eventually the, you know, that, that knowledge trickles down in, you know, the research community and then into the attacker community. Cause that's how that, you know, that's just how it works. You're absolutely right. And in fact, um, you know, I heard uh, Billy Rios talk, I think it was at RSA last year um, on uh, connected. I think he was talking about connected home stuff. Uh, And he was he sort of made the point of like, listen, you know, if you're selling consumers goods to consumers that they can take home, they can do whatever they want with it once they've got it home. Like. Why should you assume that one of those consumers, like you might sell 100,000 of these, yeah, 999,000 of those people aren't going to know how to get Ida Pro out and like reverse engineer your firmware, but one of them will. Mm -hmm. One of those guys will be Billy Rios, (laughs) who knows perfectly well how to extract your firmware, reverse engineer it, and look for vulnerabilities. And like you, that, so that has to be part of your thinking. You can't merely say, like, well, yeah, if you want, you, you could, but then you have to take the firmware out and reverse engineer it. Somebody's going to do it. Right. And once they do it, they're going to post it on the internet. And then a whole bunch of people who only have a subset of their skills, like they can't reverse engineer the firmware, but they can sure as hell run, you know, uh, Metasploit. 
you know, yeah. are going to benefit from their knowledge. And then all of a sudden you've gone from, you know, having one person potentially to a whole population of people who can attack your devices uh, wherever they happen to be deployed. And so, and, and that's the sort of dynamic that, again, if you write about security for a while, you understand sort of intuitively, like, yeah, that's how it's going to work. But many of these companies, you know, again, Comcast and Xfinity, you know, like, listen, guys, you're selling this gear into people's houses. That means that they can take that hub and take those window and door locks down to their workbench and mess with them. Yeah, mess with them and figure out how they work and publish whatever they find on the Internet. And, you know, saying, well, everybody does it this way is just not. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can't assume that people are going to use your product the way that you intended it to be used. Like, right. you know, people aren't supposed to eat paint, but a lot of people died. <laughs> you know, right. we don't make lead paint anymore because some people ate the paint and died. That's, that's like, right. That's, you know, exactly, like, that's a great analogy. Right. And like, you know, same with cars. You know, I mean, the, the biggest obstacle to people really having their way with connected vehicles is just the cost of the connected vehicle. You know, not everybody... Yeah has Charlie Miller and Chris Valsek's, you know, the corporate backing or whatever they had or the or the government backing actually to That's right. spend $30,000 on a Jeep Cherokee just to to, you know, keep breaking it and, <laughs> and then, bring it in. You know, they had to have the radio replaced like five times on right. that thing cuz they kept on bricking it. And then drive um, it through Charlie's garage wall. Right. But it was under warranty. So that's okay. (laughs) That's right. Um, But, you know, that that's the biggest thing that that's the biggest security feature that the car companies have going for them is just the cost of buying the the vehicle and 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 hacking it. Yeah, it's Um, not a phone or a a computer. That's right. So, yeah. But if you're making a lower cost device, I mean, you should rightly assume that there's there's really no barrier at all. Um, So, I mean, where do you think we are on kind of this, uh, you know, hamster wheel of pain or whatever we want to call it in terms <laughs> of, uh, you yeah. know, it, it, or, you know, sine wave of uh, yeah, really terrible, things get better, things get better, you know, wh- where do you think we are in this continuum? Gosh, I like hamster wheel of pain so much better. Than <laughs> I stole that, wave. but I can't remember whose it is. It's, <laughs> it's some analyst. I can't remember who. Um, I think it's going to play out in a similar way to the way that, um, you know, um, PC, you know, and, and internet, you know, website security played out, mobile security, you know, there will be a, um, a, a sort of drum beat that will get progressively louder. There will be increasing frequency of stories that you or I or others write about different connected systems that are vulnerable in in really head-slapping ways. And eventually, a um, there will be systems that develop to to address these in the similar way that, you know, kind of trustworthy computing came along and, and put Microsoft's train back on the tracks. What is What are those systems? Um, you know, I mean, we know there are organizations like Underwriters Labs and then, um, you know, Mudge. Um, Chris, uh, Peter Zyko is is apparently working on a UL-type organization just for um, right. soft, software security or device security. Um, so those could um, start putting, you know, some kind of consumer-friendly assessment of security and, and privacy onto devices that companies would then need to have to compete to get. Um, hopefully it would be um, somewhere 
you know, uh, is something better than like trusty, which I think people just generally <laughs> yes. ignore. Um, just a green check mark. <laughs> on in the corporate space, um, I think that cyber insurance will probably step in. In the absence of, of of legislation and regulation, I think cyber insurance will probably address a lot of the concerns um, in the enterprise space around you know what what companies need to be what need to do. And I think as companies start bringing more different types of devices onto their network, connecting more devices to their network, mm-hmm. um, they will also be governed by the same types of um, you know, cl- clauses and codicils that are in their cyber insurance policies. So they'll be, that umbrella will extend to them as well. And then in the ICS, you know, in the in sort of manufacturing industrial space, um, there, I think you may see more action from, you know, uh, regulators, uh, the government around, you know, uh, f- again, for, for what are deemed critical infrastructure um, hopefully at some point they will really get around to having setting a high bar in terms of security and, and integrity and and having some real teeth in those regulations that, that force companies to do the right thing. Yeah, I hope um, so. I mean, it, it's interesting you mentioned the insurance angle because that's something that, you know, that hammer was never there for software makers. You know, no, people right. have been pushing for that liability thing for yes ever and ever and ever and it's never happened right um and probably never will at this point like you know i think that ship has sailed um but in this area and in like the breach area there's you know that hammer is is being used quite a bit sure because you know uh shareholders have you know um i mean i don't i don't think the cost it's necessarily so much the cost of breach but certainly the reputational damage and yeah. and um and potentially the you know fines and and so on you know make it an issue for the boardroom and i think you know with the i think you're right i mean software liability never took off i would argue because the stakes were always pretty low you're really just talking about data um and it was hard to just put a value on that i think as software increasingly is linked to systems that are physical systems that affect things in the in the physical world and and that have you know kind of life and limb attached to them um then it becomes an easier argument to make you know if the software is responsible for the car crash or the plane crash or what have you and and lives are lost um then it's right to say there should be some liability there for the software publisher yeah um, and that's been it's just been harder to make that argument when we were just talking about you know IT, you know. Right. That's uh, right. Because, you know, I, I don't think uh, a lot of, especially consumers don't have a great handle on, you know, how do you, like you said, how do you value data and, you know, what are my wedding pictures worth or whatever, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny because I, I went in, I talked to the, I went into the senior center in, in Belmont where I live to talk to them about like um, a couple months back to talk about, um uh, you know, security and privacy and, you know, protecting yourself online. And stuff. oh man. Yeah. So it was all, you know, it was like 70 and 80 year olds. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, I just started by asking them like, so, you know, what do you use computers for? You know, they all, oh, I shop or I go, you know, this one woman who was sort of looked to be in like her mid eighties, just kind of like looked down shook her head and looked up and was just like everything. You know, like, oh, yeah. stop I mean, right was, there, ma'am. Yeah. And I like, I was no like, more. yeah, you know, I mean, like, you know, these, so 
everybody uses this stuff. Everybody's relying on technology more and more, no matter how old they are. You know, it touches yeah. everybody's lives. Um, and uh, so this this stuff matters. I mean, this stuff is very important. Yep. All right, man. Well, this was fun. I appreciate yeah, it, dude. Yeah, good talk. Absolutely. And uh, so I encourage everybody to go read Paul's stuff at securityledger.com. It's not about the security of ledgers, I promise. <laughs> it's not about QuickBooks. <laughs> it is not. And I encourage you to go read Dennis's stuff on <laughs> onthewire.io. But if you're, reading, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already there. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, so where am I going to see you next? Probably RSA? Probably RSA. I'm doing uh, uh, two panels. I'm doing a trusted computing group thing, and then I'm doing a panel uh, on uh, advanced cyber threats at RSA Ooh. proper. So, nice. Um, Who's on that? Yeah, uh, who is on that? Uh, <laughs> Some threatening cyber folks, I assume. Ah, uh, it's we've been going. It's so I've got the. CSO of the state of Colorado is my kind of end user. Okay. And then um, my experts are – who are my experts? Hold on a sec. You're going to have to edit out all my hemming and hawing. Oh, that's all right. That's fine. <laughs> People love dead air. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so that, RSA kind of snuck up on me this year. Like it, uh, it, Although it always seems to kind of do that, but – well, last year was in April. That's probably why. Right? Yeah, it, and it's kind of the very beginning of March this year, or end of February, or something like that. So, it's not that far off. You know, it is. Like, it isn't. It isn't. I know. Well, last year it was. Um, it, it, I wasn't into April RSA. That was not. That was not a good. No, it's not a good experience for me. I'm not um, happy with that either. Not at yeah. all. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Although I do like it being during baseball season, so I can go to a Giants game. But uh, I also like you know, midwinter RSA so I can get out of Boston first, you know. Absolutely. So that's, that's going to be my, um, so that's going to be kind of my next, my next, well, I'm actually, I'm going to the S4 conference down in Miami with, oh, in, yeah. next week, which is a, you know, which is a fun ICS focused, um, event. And, um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, it's RSA. So, cool. um, it's going to be, it's going to be a, um, oh, right. So, uh, CSO of, uh, state of Colorado, um, Howard Schmidt is going to be on the panel nice. and, and Lee Tien from electronic frontier foundation. Oh, wow. That's right. a good one. Nice. And we did. Yeah. So, uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be a, um, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. And we're talking about, you know, advanced, advanced threats and protecting the enterprise from advanced threats. And then uh, Trusted Computing Group, I'm going to talk about, you know, TCG and hardware-based security. You know, T Trusted Computing Group has been around for a while, but they've yeah. been very relevant in the context of IoT, right? Yeah, they kind of, uh, you know, started with the idea of, like, the whole, uh, you know, hardware security modules and, like, right. all that kind of stuff. and Trusted boot, yeah. Yeah, all that, which, like, sounded so Orwellian back then. And you're like, <laughs> oh, my God, no way. And now people are begging for it. They're like, please, yep. like, yep. do something like that to my laptop. So, all right, Great. cool, man. Well, I will see you uh, in San Francisco, if not sooner. And uh, thanks a lot, man. Keep up the good work over there. Same to you. Same to you, D. Thanks, Looking man. forward to seeing you soon. All, All right. right. Take care. Bye.